And so we left off in this section of the Apostle Paul and his team exhorting the church. And I'm just going to move back to verse 14. And uh, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so, again, the Apostle Paul giving instruction, um, commands. He's urging the body of Christ uh, in these certain areas of how we deal with one another, um, how we use discernment as well as a Christian. And so remember, the Apostle Paul had come to Thessalonica during his second missionary journey. He had come and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shared the word of God, and people got radically born again. Isn't that a beautiful work of God's Spirit that he does in our lives? We open our heart to Jesus. He comes in with all of his stuff, and he begins this beautiful, glorious work in us that actually he promised to complete too, didn't he? This work that he's begun in us, he'll see through to completion. And so these precious believers now have gathered together as a local body, and the Apostle Paul eventually had to leave town. He got run out of town with his team. He got news later on after Timothy had gone there that the church was still thriving under difficult circumstances in the midst of crisis, in the midst of persecution and hardship. This church was blossoming and and super fruitful. They were continuing to trust the Lord, to love the Lord, to love others. So glorious, this work that God began in Thessalonica. And as he's encouraging them now, as we close out this letter, these are instructions for a church that is looking for the return of Jesus Christ. What should a church look like that is looking for the return of our Lord? And you know, as I read through this, it's everything that we see in Jesus, isn't it? Is it everything we see in Jesus? Does he not warn the unruly? Does he not warn those, warn the unruly, unruly comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak? Isn't Jesus patient with all? So he's asking us to do the same things that our Lord Jesus did. And the cool thing is, the greatest Christian that ever lived is living in your heart and in my heart to help us to do this. He's not just our example, but he's living in us, enabling us to do these things that he's called us to do. Not rendering evil for evil, but to do what? To, to, to do good to those that have done us wrong. Listen, that looks just like Jesus, doesn't it? We talked about that last week. The ultimate example was on the cross when Jesus overcame evil with good. And he's asking us to do the same thing in our lives with one another as well. And so we, picked up, we pick up uh, from last week where we ended was uh, in verse 15, now verse 16. And we got like this little 16, 17, and 18 verses connected together. And Paul says, rejoice, number one, rejoice always. Rejoice always. 
always be full of joy. In this world, you will have tribulation. But Jesus said, but be of good cheer. Why? For I have overcome the world. Listen, there is always reason to rejoice in the Lord. Give me, Pastor, no way, dude. Give me one good reason to rejoice this morning. Let me, let me give you one, brother or sister. You're not going to hell. How about that? You're going to heaven. How long is eternity? Compared, not just a thousand, thousands of thousands. We have been saved from hell to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus. That is reason to rejoice this morning. Your sins are forgiven, forgotten, gone forever from God's sight because of the blood of Jesus. Is that a reason to rejoice this morning? There's, listen, there's always reason to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Has the Lord begun a good work in you? Is that reason to rejoice this morning? Can you rejoice always about that? It doesn't seem like it sometimes, does it? But look, look back over your life. Hasn't the Lord done some amazing things? I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God I'm not what I used to be. I used to stub my toe and out dropped, beep, 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 beep. It's not praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. That felt great. But it's not what it once was. Can I rejoice that he's doing a work in me and thank him for that? How about this? How about, how about the ultimate insurance policy from Jesus? Give me one good reason to rejoice this morning. He is working all things together for good of those that love him. All, how much does all mean? All things. We rejoice in the Lord. There is always reason to rejoice in the Lord. No matter what you're going through, no matter what I'm going through, there's always cause to rejoice. The best is yet to come for us as Christians. And though it be difficult, though we go through crisis, though we go through difficulty, though we go through hardship, we are not alone in it. Jesus is with me and he's with you. You are never alone. And he brings everything he's got to the table into your life all things that pertain to life and godliness as you walk with him through whatever it is you're going through. He is our ever-present help in our time of need. There's always reason to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? That's God's will for our lives. He's saying here, in the Lord. Not only that, what else does he say? What's the second thing in that little trifecta of goodness? Pray how often? What does it say? Pray without, pray without ceasing. Continually stay online with the Lord. Think about how, how much you're online. Tomorrow, how much you're going to be online? On your computer, on your phone, on your whatever, tablet. Are you going to be online quite a bit tomorrow? No? You guys aren't going to be, no, he's going to be online tomorrow? Hopefully everybody will be online with Jesus Pray without ceasing, without interruption, without intermission. You guys remember commercials? S some kids are like, what's a commercial? 
Remember when we used to watch that box with the funny antennae sticking out? You get, remember that? And you'd be watching a show, right? Starsky and Hutch or... Uh, Chips is back, by the way. That's California Highway Patrol. But you're watching and you're going, yeah, here we go. This is so cool, right? You remember? And then all of a sudden, you hit a commercial break. No! Remember commercials? Interruptions? Now you, now you can pay not to have ads, right? On your, you're watching your videos or whatever you do. No intermission in your prayer. No, no, no commercials, no ads. Just continuing to talk to the Lord, to listen to Him. You know what that speaks about? It speaks about connection. It also speaks of not giving up in prayer. Because we can give up in prayer too, can't we? Jesus said men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We have full access to the throne of grace. To get what we don't deserve. To get the exact opposite of what we deserve. To find the help that we need... When we talk to him, and I realize, listen, I realize when we talk about prayer, it can be, it can be very convicting, can't it? Because our prayer life, can't our prayer life always be better? Right? And this is not a conviction breakfast sandwich for you this morning. Here you go, take that and eat it. We can all get better in this. And I think some of us, myself included, we don't pray as often as we should because we don't think we do it well enough or we don't know how. What do I mean by that? Listen, I don't know how to fix a transmission. I'm not going to go try to fix it. I don't know how to do it. But I get someone that will. And we can often think, you know what, I can't pray. Let the people at church pray. There's a prayer meeting every Sunday evening. Let the people at the prayer meeting pray. I don't know how to do this, so I'm not going to do it. Or I don't know how to do this well enough, so I'm not going to do it. Can I encourage us this morning in prayer? It's just talking to Jesus and listening to him. And one of the best things we can do is look at how other people in the Bible prayed. And one of the things that the people in the Bible did when they prayed, they spoke God's promises back to him. Are you with me? Because does God keep his word? So I discover what God says in his word, his promises to me, what he says to me, and I say, Lord, you promised. Don't our kids do that with us? Think about it, parents. That's why I never make promises to my kids. It's like, it may happen, I don't know, maybe we'll do it. Because you, you, you know what they'll do, right? Dad, you promised Chick-fil-A tonight. It's on. Dad, you promised to take us to Schlitterbaum, right? Schlitterbaum, whatever, whatever. Promised to take us to Galveston. Promised to do it, you promised. And then what do you have to do as a parent? That's right, I promised. I don't think it's that hard I don't think God intended for prayer to be like this whole complicated thing. You know, there's a dude that wrote a book on prayer. I think his name was like E.M. Bounds or something. He wrote this giant volume on prayer, all about prayer. And you know what he said in, in his final conclusion about prayer? He said, you just got to pray more. 
Thanks, dude. But you know, you enjoy spending time with people that you enjoy. I enjoy Jesus. I love my Jesus. And he's made a way for us to talk to him, to listen to him. And Paul encourages the church, pray without ceasing. Keep praying. In everything, give thanks. It also says, I've heard some pastors say, it doesn't say for everything. It does say for everything also in Ephesians 5. In everything, give thanks. That's God's will, to give thanks. I don't know how this is going to work out, Lord. You promised to work it all together for good, and I'm thanking you for it. Thank you, God, for allowing this in my life. I don't see the benefit right now, but I trust you, and I will thank you. I think the longer we walk with the Lord, the more often we thank him in the midst of the trial rather than after. Anybody else experience that or no? Something gnarly hits, it's like, okay, Lord, you got this. It's yours. I can't figure it out. But you're all wise. You know everything. You have all understanding. I don't understand this, but I will thank you and praise you. Listen, it's, it's not God's will to gripe always for everything. God's will is for us to be thankful in everything. To say, thank you, Lord. To be grateful. And, and here's the deal about that. You know, as you look, again, as we study our Bibles, all complaining is complaining against who? That's, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? Think about, I mean, all the way back to the beginning. What, what did Adam say? It was the woman you gave me. Correct? He's, who is Adam blaming? God and the woman. Veiled. But really, I mean, that's what, remember when the children of Israel continued to gripe and complain? Do you remember that? Manna in the morning, manna in the evening, manna when the sun don't shine, manna cotty, manna bread, manna, manna tacos. We're done with his manna. Give us the, get us back to Egypt where it was so great. The leeks, the onions, the whips, the chains. They forgot about that, didn't they? But, but Moses pointed out, listen, you're not, you're not griping and complaining against us. You're griping and complaining against the Lord. All of your complaining. That's an eye-opener, isn't it? Because it's like, okay, Lord, thank you for thank you for this person that you put next to me at work. Thank you for this family that I was born into, Lord. Do you know you can always find thanks to give? You don't know what happened to me, Pastor, growing up with my family. Listen, I may or may not know. But there's always something we can take away and thank the Lord for. 
Thank you, Lord, I learned how not to be a parent. I learned how, not, how mommies and daddies should not treat one another. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, thank you for this person across from my cubbyhole at work that is irritating me to no end because you are teaching me to pray without and to rejoice once in a while. Always. Thank you, Lord. Remember the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12? Thorn in the flesh. You guys remember that? Thorn in the flesh deal. Three times he asked the Lord to what? Remove it. What did Jesus say? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then listen to what Paul says there. 2 Corinthians 12. He said, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast... In my infirmities, you look up that word boast in the Greek, you know what it means? It means to have joy and to rejoice. To give thanks for my infirmities. Why? Look, look at the, re is it up on the scoreboard? Yeah, check it out. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Does anybody like the power of Jesus in their life? Paul's like, I'm going to pray, I'll, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to be thankful for this. God said no. God said no to my prayer, but I've got something better for you. My grace, that is sufficient. Therefore, I take pleasure, I welcome gladly, I'm thankful in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. What are you going through right now? What's your deal? I've asked, the Lord didn't take it away. The Lord didn't take that person away from my life. They've left him in, he's left him in here, or her in here. Maybe the Lord wants to show himself mighty on your behalf. Maybe the Lord wants to keep you and me in a place of brokenness where his anointing will stay upon your life. That you would experience his grace and his power in a brand new way and that you would apply that to every area of your life, the rest of your Christian walk, till the Lord calls you home. In everything... Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. What's God's will? What we just read. The will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. So good. Quench means, check this out. So quench means to extinguish, to stifle, or to suppress, to extinguish, to stifle, or to suppress. And you think about the Holy Spirit, the person in Holy Spirit, and his work in our lives is often associated with fire. Correct? Jesus would baptize with the Spirit and with fire. Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers, right? It looked like cloven tongues of what? Fire. So don't 
extinguish the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I would say not only in your own life, but also the life, the lives of others as well. Don't extinguish the work of God's Spirit in your life. Can we do that? We can, can't we? Because we, the, the Holy Spirit's a person. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can also grieve the Holy Spirit also. But you never want to put out that fire that God has going in your heart and in your life. In fact, Jesus spoke about it, didn't he? He said lukewarm makes him what? Makes him sick. Don't quench the Spirit. In fact, one of the saddest things I've seen in the church is when a parent quenches the person and work of the Holy Spirit and their, and their children's lives. The kids come back from a missions trip that are on fire. They want to serve Jesus. But mom and dad want what? They want the all-American dream for junior. You can't get too into the things of the Lord, too excited. Don't be too on fire. I've seen it 20-plus years of ministry. I've seen it plenty of times where I'm not painting with a broad brush. I've seen it quite a bit, sadly. Junior has to go to college, get their degree, get their six-figure job, have a house in the suburbs, cars going each direction. And now the Holy Spirit has been quenched in their life, sadly. Guys, we should be pointing our kids to Jesus to want, him, want them to serve the Lord, that they too would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And you can do that without being in full-time ministry. Whether you're a mechanic, accountant, whatever. Or being a missionary. Listen, when you got born again, you became a missionary. How about that? All of us. The minute you said yes to Jesus, you're a missionary. He said, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But God forbid we ever quench the Spirit in anyone else's life. I've had people say to me before, this one dude came to me, said, you're too on fire for Jesus, bro. you got to simmer down. you got to cool, cool down. Like, dude, you need, go need, you need to go read Revelation 3, bro. About what Jesus says about lukewarm. I don't ever want to be lukewarm, pukey for Jesus. I want to be on fire for him till he calls me home or do we go together collectively at the rapture to be pedal to the metal for Jesus. I don't want to, I don't want to stifle the Holy Spirit to suppress the Holy Spirit in his work. Do you guys want to do that? I don't want to, not in our church. It's a work that's begun in the Spirit and needs to continue in the Spirit. There's, uh, and that's a great, you know, you could, you, you, could, you could teach a whole Bible study on that, couldn't we? Like, I would, give that some, I would give that some serious meditation if I were you, just to really think through, man, how, could, how would I quench the Spirit in my life? Not opening my Bible. 
Not spending time with Jesus, correct? Not being in fellowship would quench the Spirit. I mean, there's so many ways we could quench the Spirit, so we want to be careful we're not, correct? Not doing what the Word of God says. Do we really believe in the authority of God's Word? Do we really believe it is God's Word? Do you guys really believe it's God's Word? Okay. Then we're going to do what He tells us to do, trusting in the power of the Spirit so we don't quench the Spirit in our lives, to suppress, stifle, or extinguish the Spirit from His work in our lives. So I would encourage you to consider that. And he goes on to say, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. You know, a lot of the book, a lot of the book, a lot of the Bible is prophecy. Did you guys know that? God's predictive word. It's always interesting to me to see who shows up for a New Year's Eve prophecy update. It says in It says in Revelation 19 at the end of verse 10 For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Think about that. If you despise prophecy, guess who you're despising? <gasps> what? If I despise prophecy, you know who I'm despising? Who am I despising? Jesus. Because it all points to him. It's all about him. Do you guys realize that? It's all about Jesus. Do not despise prophecies. Some of your Bibles may say prophesying. The Apostle Paul hoped that the whole church in Corinth would prophesy. <gasps> really? What does that even mean? Well, he tells us. 1 Corinthians 14. Not everybody's a prophet, but Paul says everybody should be prophesying. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Well, back to verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on to say in verse 13, but he who prophesies speaks, check this out, edification and exhortation and comfort to men. If someone is prophesying, what are they doing? They are building up, Stirring you up and lifting you up, or lifting you up. Does that make sense? So that, that's no excuse for weirdness, though, by the way. Do you know what I mean by that? I have people come to me sometimes and say, Pastor, I got a word for you, man. I know you're going on this trip to Cuba, and I, you know, the Lord showed me this vision, and your plane went down, and. That? I'm not being built up, stirred up, or lifted up by hearing that, your prophecy to me. <laughs> Are you with me? Personally, I think it happens supernaturally naturally. You know what I mean by that? Supernaturally natural. It's not forced. It's flowing as we are walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, filled with the Word of God, 
what's coming from our lives, from our lips, where, like Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And it's happening naturally. Well, what should I do? If someone says that to me, Pastor, what should I Someone shared a dream with me, you know, also recently. What should I do with that? You should take it to Jesus. What do you mean by that? Look at the next verse. Do not despise prophecies. Test how many things? All things. Someone comes to you and says, hey, I got a word for you, bro. Really? Let me hear it. That's kind of weird. Okay, let me pray about that. And you take it to the word of God. Because we test all things with what? What do we test with? What's our measurement? What's our level? You got, some of you guys use levels, don't you, when you're doing work? If it's off a little bit, is that good? It needs to be what? Level, square, right? The Word of God is our level. The Word of God is what we measure and test everything with. Are you with me? That's why you need to know your Bible. To spend time in God's Word. Not just knowing the Word of God, but knowing the God of the Word. Is this line up with his character, with his nature? What does he say about this? This is like super crucial stuff, gang. How are you going to test all things if you don't spend time in your Bible? Stuff's going to hit you tomorrow, hit me tomorrow. It's like, whoa, what do I do with this? Oh, I just read about it. Test all things. That's right. That Mike was talking about this. And what typically happens, though, is you spend your quiet time in the morning with Jesus, and guess what? The very thing you were reading and praying through and meditating on the Lord is the very thing that hits you that afternoon or that morning. And the Lord gives you the understanding, the knowledge, the wisdom, the discernment, the strength you need to navigate it. Because why? Because you've been spending time with Him. You know your Bible 66 books, this should be our major right here, 66 books. Should be the most important influence in your life and my life. Are you with me? There's no shortcuts. It should be the most important influence. It should be what fashions us, fashions our behavior, fashions our thinking, the Word of God, in order specifically here to test all things. And to do what? You test it with the Word of God, and then what do you do? Look what it says. Hold fast what is good. All right, that's good. That's truth. I'm going to hold on to that. Nope, that's bogus. See you later, alligator. Give him the Heisman, right? <laughs> Some of you may not get that. It's okay. What's he talking about? You get it away from you, right? Just, I don't want that. That's not helpful. That's not building me up, stirring me up, strengthening me in my walk with Jesus. The Lord showed me that. I test all things. I hold fast what is good. I, and by the way, test means to prove to see if it's genuine or true. Is it true? Because there's a lot of lies out there, gang. Test all things. And I know some of us listen to certain pastors and preachers and stuff. And listen, there's a lot of shysters, no goodsters out there, if that's a word. 
bad guys. <laughs> and people buy into it. Oh, it sounds so good. Man, that felt good. Or seldom is heard a discouraging word. <laughs> the skies are all cloudy. You know, I just tiptoe through the tulips, man. Don't want to hit any of the tough stuff. Just... Man, we, we need it, don't we? We need every bit of God's Word to wash us, to cleanse us, a mirror to see our condition. But we test it. Whoa, is this truth? Is this good? Is this right on? If not, gone, out of here. How about with our kids? Parents, you testing all things. Listen, some of the junk on the internet, man, you need to beware. If you are not a gatekeeper in your home to what's going into your kids' eyes and ears, um, man, shame on you. I love you. There are so many wicked, evil influences out there. I didn't realize it until a couple weeks ago. Tanya was sharing with me some of the things that predators do to get into these games that the kids are playing. It's frightening. Test all things. Parents, these little ones have been entrusted to our care. Are you with me? Man, dads, we're the shepherds of our homes. It doesn't all fall on mom. We shepherd the flock. That's the flock that's been entrusted to our care. To be a faithful shepherd like Jesus is a faith. Did Jesus protect his flock? Do, do what those Pharisees say, but don't do what they do, man. Woe unto them. He warned his guys. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware. But what does beware mean? Look out, man. You see beware of dog sign on your neighbor's yard. Beware of Rottweiler. Do you go and meow, stick your finger, meow, come here, let me see if that sign's for real. Do you do that? No way. Look out, man. Danger. It's going to rip you off. It's going to wipe you out spiritually. So I encourage you guys in that. So let's, keep, let's finish this up. So good. We have time. We did. Are we going to finish the book? Let's do it. This is like Paul's prayer here, verse 23 and 24. Now, may the God of peace, so beautiful. Our God is the God of peace. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful. Good spot for an amen, I don't know. He who calls you is faithful. Amen. Who also will do it. So this is kind of, this is a, I would say this is like a prayer Paul has here. And it's all about God doing something. Because you hear these instructions, don't you? Hey, here's the instructions for y'all. It's not like just, hey, go get them, you know, good luck. 
listen, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. He's like, now may God, the God of peace, sanctify you, make you, sanctify means to be made holy, it means to be set apart. Holiness is Christ-likeness. May God make you more like Jesus. Totally. Completely. There's nothing greater than that, is there? (laughs) Being made totally like Jesus? Is that a good thing, y'all? That's his prayer. You know what? Pray that for me. I'm praying it for you. Man, that God would sanctify you completely. That all of our lives would be set apart for his exclusive use, and more and more completely we'd look like Jesus in the way we behave and treat one another, our reactions, our thinking, our words. Isn't that a great prayer? And not only that, but we'd be preserved blameless, totally, body, soul, spirit, every part of our being, we'd be preserved for what? For the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. Great prayer for us, gang. Jude 24, if you're taking notes, Jude 24, there's only one chapter. It's like a little postcard, isn't it? It speaks of our Lord Jesus' glorious work now and when we get home to be in heaven. And Jude writes in Jude 24, Now to him, Jesus, listen, who is able, do you believe he's able? To him, Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling, to preserve us blameless, He's able to keep you in this life and the next life to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Isn't Jesus great? He's able to do it. So what's he asking of you and me? To trust. To trust him. To take him at his word. To believe it. If I trust him and believe him and take him at his word, guess what? I'm going to do what he says. Okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to rejoice always. I'm going to give thanks in everything. I'm not going to quench the Spirit. I'm going to stoke the Spirit, man. How can I, how can I get this thing fired up in my life? I'm not going to despise prophecies, but I'm going to test all things. I'm going to hold fast that which is good. Oh, I skipped a verse. You skipped it. How come no one said anything? Verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil. I almost skipped that. You you know what the, the short of it is? If it doesn't look like Jesus, don't do it. How about that? What does abstain mean? What is it? Don't do it. I'm going to abstain from sneaking the chocolate chip cookies from the cupboard tonight. What does that mean? I'm not going to do it. 
I'm going to abstain from sneaking my honey's tofu surprise. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay away. Every form of evil, all shapes and sizes, man. But who's going to help you to do it? May the God of peace help you to do it. Is he able? Next verse tells us. He sure is. He who calls you, who called us? Didn't Jesus call us? You answered, didn't you? Or did you see who was calling and then hit the mute or the... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come in to him and dine with him and him with me. You opened the door, didn't you? He called you. Paul reminds us the one who called you is faithful to do it in your life. How often do we doubt? We talked about this Wednesday night. We, we doubt the power and wisdom of God. God's saying, I want to help you. You come boldly to the throne of grace to find help. How often we go elsewhere, don't we? Let me go get a Christian psychologist. That's, you know, that's kind of an oxymoron, by the way. Oh, you're stepping on some toes now, Pastor. You're right, I am. You know what oxymoron is? We talked about it this morning, 7 a.m. Government intelligence. Family vacation. Microsoft works. One of these will work for you all. Hey, you know, I'm having some struggles. You know, can you, can you recommend a good counselor, psychologist? Didn't we learn last week we're supposed to be counseling one another? Do you know you're equipped to do that? I don't got what it takes, man. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Word of God? Can I save you like a thousand bucks? It's on my insurance, man. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He is able, he is faithful to sanctify you, to, to, to work in your life in such a way as to bring healing and help to your life. The problem is we don't call out and cry out to him. We want shortcuts. We're, we are a shortcut culture. I want it now. I want to fix this minute. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do it. We learn Wednesday night, wait on the Lord, and he'll do it. I can't wait. i got to get it done. Wait on the Lord. Give him your trust and obedience in time. It's by faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. The book says, you give him time. You keep doing what's right in his sight, and he's going to do it, man. Do you, tr- do you trust the Lord? Do you guys trust the Lord? If not, we'll pray for you afterwards. You come up here after. we got some cats, some gals, guys that will pray for you. Look at how it finishes. The Lord is faithful who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Such a good. Paul's asking for prayer. I, can I encourage you guys to pray for me, for the leadership of the church? Pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Oh! <gasps> 
We don't practice that here at Calvary Chapel, West Houston, by the way. You know why? Because the single dudes would be going, okay, where can I sit today to get, to get me a holy kiss? Just sad. But listen, in that, that's, that's culturally relevant for them. Some of you know we go to Cuba, right? Those of us who have been to Cuba, right? What do they do when you come up? They give you this on the cheek. It's like weird. I'm like, what is that? Like, it's okay. It's, the, it's, it's a, listen, it's a warm greeting in the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. How do we apply that warm greeting for us? What does that look like? Handshake, hug, whatever. Make sure it's holy. That's the bottom, right? Holy. I charge you, Paul holds them accountable. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. So good. Paul holds them accountable that this letter is read, that the word of God fully and completely is read to everybody. Such a good lesson for leaders, pastors, teachers. Share the word of God. The word of God has the DNA to change our lives. It is living and powerful. And then he finishes. He began with grace and he finishes with grace. Check it out. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We need his grace, don't we? And Jesus is the one who brings it to us. John chapter 1. Jesus gives grace upon grace. May we continue to look to his grace. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage, your amazing word. I pray, God, please help us in these things. We desperately need you, a fresh work of your spirit in our lives. As we put into practice the things you've called us to, may we experience the power of the spirit, the wisdom, all that we need, Lord, to be obedient. Would you meet us in a special way? Help us. You know our frames, that they are but dust, and so we desperately need you. We have this treasure in our earthen vessels. We're just clay pots that, that have you in us. You're our treasure. And so, Lord, would you just uh, move in a powerful way in our lives and in your church, that we would be a church ready for your return to meet you face to face and to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've come here this morning and you've never come to know Jesus in a real, in a personal relationship. It's not an accident you're here or a coincidence. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he suffered, he died and was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And this morning, today is a day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But give your heart to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you as you give your heart to him, as you find forgiveness. 
as you receive hope, hope of eternal life. Best of all, to walk with Jesus. And if that's you this morning, let me pray with you. Would you raise up your hand? Can we pray together? I'll lead you in a simple prayer as you give your heart to Jesus. If that's you this morning, it's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity and where you'll spend it. And if that's you, let me pray for you. Just raise up that hand if that's you this morning. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? You can put your hand down, sir. Anyone else this morning? This precious one that's raised his hand, you can repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me and cleanse me? and make me new. You promised you would. Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. I surrender to you. I give you my life. And I thank you. Father, we thank you so much for this precious one. We know there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. And so may we rejoice with those who rejoice. We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We rejoice in so great a Savior. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name, your precious and holy name, that we pray and all God's people said amen. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. Praise God. All right, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand together for this last song.
ceasing, Lord, uh, rejoicing always, Lord, knowing that whatever we're going through, Lord, you promise that you're working it all together for good, Lord, for those that love you and are called according to your purposes, Lord. I pray that you would um, just help us, Lord, to trust you, uh, to walk by faith, Lord. Your word says that the just shall live by faith, Lord. May that be a description of our lives, one of faith, Lord, trusting you, looking to your resources, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to do that this week, this day. Uh, may you bless our time of fellowship, Lord. Knit our hearts closer together, Lord, that we would be an answer to your prayer to be one as you and the Father are one. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.